0: just ready the whole time y'all are singing i'm just getting a deep breath waiting for that last two notes and uh, john was commenting to me that i i sounded like a mix between you know sandy patty and paparazzi or whatever the guy's name is paparazzi or what is his name (laughs) yeah that guy guy. (laughs) i want you to listen to this I'm just going to read to you. Just, just listen. Exodus chapter 12. Listen to this. Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourself according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lentil and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the doorpost, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses. You shall observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. Now, here's what I want you to listen to. And when you come into that land that the Lord will give you as he promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people of Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. This morning, I want to speak to young children. All of you young children, everybody else, you can listen, but I'm going to speak to you children this morning, and I want you to listen as I speak, because kids, this morning, we're going to, as you see, we're going to, we have the, the communion table all set up before us, and I really, really, my, my one goal, if your parents weren't here, if all the adults weren't here, I just want all of you kids to gather together. You know how I love to gather together and tell you stories and whatever. I want to tell you this morning about this communion table. I want you to know, I want you to understand what this table is all about. So this morning, kids, no looking around, all right? Don't pull the hair in somebody in front of you. Just listen, pay close attention so that you can understand what it is that we're doing when we have this service this morning that we call the Lord's table, okay? Call this the Lord's table or we call this communion. And because of that kids, I want if you want to understand this, I want to ask and answer two questions this morning, okay? How many questions are we going to ask and answer kids? What? Two. That's right. Two questions, not one, not three, but two. All right? And the first question I want to ask is this. Why Did Jesus have to go to the cross, right? Why did Jesus have to go to the cross? And kids, the second question I want to ask is this. What did he do there? Why did he go and what did he do? Well, you know, if we're going to ask any question about God, we have to go to his word where he speaks to us. God doesn't speak to us any other place, but he speaks to us in his word. And so because of that, kids, I hope you brought your Bible. If you brought your Bible, lift it up and let me see it real high, okay? If you didn't bring yours, take your dad's. Okay, good. All right. Now, go to Revelation. Find in your Bible the book of Revelation and chapter 5. In Revelation chapter 5, okay? Now I want to I tell you the story. I want to set this up for you so you really, really clearly understand what's happening here in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 5. In this section of Scripture, we're talking about something that's going on in the throne room of heaven. And we have this scene here. If you can imagine in your... Your head, somehow, you have the scene of this great throne in heaven. And there's one who is sitting on the throne. He's called the Almighty God. And he has a scroll. You know what a scroll is, right? Rolled up pieces of paper that's sealed seven times. And everybody in heaven, everybody who's gathered around is so looking forward to that scroll being opened, to those seals being opened. Because in that scroll contains the plans for earth. The plans for the history of mankind. And everybody's so wanting that scroll to be open, And they're looking around. Is there somebody who can go up to the throne room, to the hand of the Almighty God, to the right hand, and take it out of His hand and open the scroll? And guess what? Nobody was found. Do you ever have something you wanted so badly... And you find you can't get it. And what do you do? Well, you start to cry. In fact, that's what happened to John. John so, John's the one who wrote the book of Revelation. He so wanted that scroll to be open that when nobody was found, he began to weep and he began to cry. But then, can you, you're seeing this whole thing play out? Right, You see John's head down weeping. Nobody's there to open the scroll. And I wanted to see the plans that God has for the earth. Then somebody from behind him maybe says, don't weep. Because there's someone who's able to open it. Who is it? The Bible says this. Look at verse, chapter 5, verse 5 of Revelation. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. They said, John, look to the lion. Wow, a lion is mighty and powerful and fierce and conquering. A a lion is large and in charge. Look to the lion. But he says it's not a real lion because he's of the tribe of Judah. That means he's a person. Look to the lion. And John says, okay, he stops crying, dries his tears, looks around, and instead of seeing a lion, what does he see? Look at verse 6. Between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. Oh, I, I didn't see a lion. I saw a lamb and, and this, this, this lamb is, is kind of funny looking, actually. It's, uh, uh, this lamb as it, had been slain with seven horns. The horns, a picture of might and, and power and seven eyes, right? Seven eyes to the idea that he can see anything all the time, everywhere, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. And that one went up to the throne of God and took the scroll from the Hand of God and opened its scrolls. And guess what? Everybody in heaven began to rejoice. You know how I know they began to rejoice? Because they began to sing. In fact, it says they sang a new song in verse 9. They're so happy that they begin singing a new song. It's called the Song of Redemption. And it's in that song that we actually have the answers to our questions, which are, one, why did Jesus go to the cross? Two, what did he do there? Why did Jesus go to the cross? Two, what did he do there? In this song of redemption, we have the answer to the question. Listen to this song. I'm not going to sing it because I don't know the music that they use, but these are the words. Verse 9, they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain now stop right there that word slain you might not have heard before but it's a word that means to be killed you know what i mean be killed to be to be killed dead right which i guess is the only kind of killing to be killed dead To be be freshly slaughtered is what the word means. It's referring to the sacrifice of the Passover lamb that I read about back in Exodus chapter 12. The bloody sacrifice that was made in substitution for someone or something else. That simply answers our first question. Why did Jesus have to go to the cross? Jesus had to go to the cross. To be slain, to be killed as a substitute for someone else. You say, well, why? Why did he have to be slain as a substitute for someone else? I mean, Jesus was perfect and innocent and pure and good and holy, but he was slain, but keep reading, why did he have to be slain? For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. In other words, the reason that Jesus had to be slain, the reason he had to be killed, was in order to ransom. Or we could use the word redeem. Or maybe here's a better word for you, to rescue people. What do you mean? Rescue people. Why do people need rescued? Kids, if somebody needs rescued, that usually means that they're in what? Huh? Trouble. You, you don't need to be rescued if you're not in trouble. You need to be rescued when you're in trouble. What kind of trouble are these people in? Well, let me tell you. Look at Romans chapter 3. So now we're going back in our Bibles because we're, we're asking the questions and we're letting God answer them for us. God's going to answer through his word, and he tells us here in Romans chapter 3. Jesus had to go to the cross. Remember, I'm telling you, Jesus had to go to the cross in order to rescue sinners. How did he rescue sinners on the cross? Look at verse 23 of Romans chapter 3. Kids, I want you to listen to me. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For, and now what's the next word? All. Does that mean some? No, it means all. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption, there's our word, redemption, rescue, ransom, that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. What does that mean? It means this, that in the past, before Jesus came, God treated people way better than they deserved, didn't he? God treated people way better than they deserved. Why? Because the Bible says, on the day that you sin, you shall what? You shall die. You ever wonder why when you sin, you don't just die right away? I mean, you've sinned before, right? Because you've lied. You've disobeyed your parents. You've been angry and hateful. Why didn't you die the moment that you sin? Well, because God, the Bible says God was passing over those sins. What are sins? Sin is called falling short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know what that means? It means by falling short of the glory of God, it's, it means mocking God in His glory. That's what we do when we sin. So kids, Listen. Next time you disobey your parents, I want you to think about this. You're mocking God. So think about it in that way. I don't want to be, I don't want to be a God mocker. Why doesn't God just wipe people out who, who mock God? Why doesn't He do that? Is God just going to allow His glory to be laughed at? Does God just allow his glory to be mocked? No. That's why he put forward Jesus. You see that word there in verse 25? God put forward Jesus. He He presented as a sacrifice, as a propitiation. That's a big word, but you know what that means? It means wrath bearing sacrifice. You see, listen, God takes sin very seriously. So seriously that God is angry with sinners. God is angry with sinners. And we call God's anger towards sinners. We call that his wrath. When God is angry. It means that God is full of wrath. And what God did. Is instead of punishing us. God put forward Jesus. To be punished in our place. What do we need to be rescued from? We need to be rescued from the wrath of God. And Jesus went to the cross in order to rescue us from the wrath of God. How did he do that? By becoming the wrath-bearing sacrifice. By becoming the wrath In other words, when Jesus died on the cross, Jesus was being punished in our place. You're lying. Your disobedience Your hateful anger, your outbursts of of anger, all of those things. What does God do? God says He punishes that in Jesus Christ on the cross to show that God is really righteous. That's why Jesus had to go to the cross. So, why did Jesus go to the cross? In order to rescue people. What people? sinners with whom God is angry. Well, what did Jesus accomplish? I want you to go back to Revelation chapter 5 now. That's our second question, what did Jesus accomplish? Look at Revelation chapter 5. We're going to go back to this song. Let's listen to this song again that these are they're singing around the throne. Because he's going to tell us what did Jesus accomplish. Revelation chapter 5 verse 9. All right, listen. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. We know what that means. And by your blood you ransomed people from God. What kind of people? From every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. How did Jesus ransom He ransomed by your blood, by his blood, by the blood of Jesus Christ. You know what it means to be ransomed? It means to be rescued. It means to be set free. It means to be bought back. Jesus went to the cross in order to become the sin-bearing sacrifice for us. And what did he accomplish? He, He accomplished buying ransoming, redeeming people for God. You see that? People for God. In other words, God the Father had an eternal plan and that eternal plan included to bring people, to rescue people, to redeem people to himself, from their sin to himself. And when Jesus came He paid the price in order to do exactly that. That's what Jesus did. He paid the price. He redeemed people out of the world for God. He actually redeemed people. We call that definite or guaranteed atonement. He brought them out, away from, out of every tribe and language and nation and people. Now listen, kids. Sometimes we think too little about what Jesus actually accomplished on the cross. Sometimes we think that Jesus died on the cross just hoping that maybe someone might be rescued. Hoping maybe, maybe if everything works out, someone will be saved, someone will be redeemed. But that's not the case. Jesus did not go to the cross hoping that what he did would actually matter. Some of us had the idea that Jesus went to the cross and he actually didn't do anything, but he just made atonement available or made rescue available, but that's not what he says. He did not just make it possible. He made it actual. Jesus did not die to make it possible. Jesus died to make it actual. He actually paid the price. What is the price? The price of the wrath of God. Now listen to me. And adults, you can listen in now as well. You might be down in the dumps this morning over many things. And, and some of those things are really, really big things. But I want you to remember what the Bible says. The Bible says we know that all things work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are the called, according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. And those He predestined he also called, and those He called, He also justified, and those He justified, He also glorified. I want you to understand this morning that the death of the Lord Jesus Christ is the rock-solid ground of your assurance. The death of Christ undergirds the confidence that we have in the face of any obstacle, and in the face of any trial, in the face of any doubt, in the face of any challenge in this life. How so? He who did not spare his own son. It's it's the death, the blood, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ that is constantly preaching that God is for you. And I don't mean that in the fluffy Joel Osteen way that we hear today. I mean that in the most theologically, biblically centered way I could possibly say it. That God is for you. He's not against you. He ought to be against you. Because we have mocked His glory in our sin. But God put forth Jesus Christ to receive the brunt, the full measure of His wrath. drank down the cup of God's wrath with nothing left over for you, which is why Paul could say, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So don't dishonor Christ and His cross with anxiety and doubt this morning. Don't dishonor Him by living as if you're still under sin. You're not one of the things that I really want you to understand. Christ accomplished so much more on the cross than you ever dreamed. He purchased you from your old cruel slave master called sin. He paid the price and now you are his. You're not your own, but you are his. Someone said to me one time, I hear you always talking about radical depravity. What happens to radical depravity when we get saved? Well, what is happening now in the heart of every genuine believer is a spiritual transformation. You've gone from being defined by your hatred for God to being defined by your love for God. You're free. You're being made free from your slavery to sin. The cross of Christ says that you're free from sin and that sin no longer has power over you that you might live under its control and power and when you do find yourself going back into sin you repent and come back out and say you're not getting me I'm not staying there you're no longer my master you've gone from sinner to saint all because of the work of grace all because of the work of father son and holy spirit What did Jesus accomplish on the cross? Why did he have to go on the cross? He had to go on the cross in order to pay the penalty for our sin, to take the wrath of God. And what did he accomplish? He accomplished that. He took it all so that if anyone believes on him, he'll not perish. You say, what what about someone who's not saved? Maybe you have a mom, a dad, a husband, a son, a daughter, a friend who doesn't know Christ. Well, listen, just because someone's not believing right now doesn't mean they'll never believe. Praise the Lord. But you better not mince your words. You better not play games with gospel preaching. You better not play games with gospel living. You better not play games with gospel praying. The only way for them to be saved is to hear the message of the gospel. And so preach and pray and live in such a way that that's all they ever hear and see. And the Bible says that God loves the world enough that whoever believes on Him, on Christ, God loves the world enough that He gave His only begotten Son so that whoever believes on Him would not perish under God's wrath. But would be recipients of everlasting life. You should remember anyone who believes on the name of the Lord shall be saved, including you. And that if you've never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what you're doing essentially when you believe on Him is you're trusting Him to pay for the penalty of your sin in your place, you're trusting Him to take the penalty. To to, to bear the wrath of God in your place. And how do I I think it's interesting that God doesn't give us something to do, He gives us someone to trust. Because you gotta know how how do I know when I trust enough? (laughs) And all he says is just trust me. Just trust me. And all you're doing, and it's like a song with song we sang earlier. All you're doing is clinging to Christ. It's all you're just hoping in Jesus. I, my only, it's not my, I, I'm not good enough. It's not my baptism. It's not my church membership. It's not my goodness. I'm just clinging to Jesus. And any goodness that comes out is all because of Him anyway, right? So kids, we're, we're going to, come to the lord's table today and we have these elements that we pass out this this cracker and this juice and it's a reminder to us of jesus now you might not be partaking yet you might not be eating and drinking yet that will come as you understand what it means to to put your faith in the lord jesus christ but see this is an opportunity for you to be reminded in fact, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me for you to be reminded that Jesus died and took God's wrath in your place. That, that the cracker is a remember, reminder of his body. He, he was a real man and the juice is a reminder of his blood. He shed his blood so we can be ransomed. And by taking, this doesn't make you saved, by taking, this is a way that we're just preaching the gospel. Just like what happened back in Israel when the, people, when the children said, why, why, are these, why are we doing this service? And the people, would, they would be reminded, their fathers would remind them, well, we're doing this because God brought us out of the land of Egypt. Why are we drink eating and drinking like this today? We're eating and drinking like this today because it's a reminder that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sin on the cross. And if you trust him, You'll be forgiven of your sin. The price is paid, and you'll never stand in condemnation before God. Isn't that amazing? Just think about if you If there was a website called allyoursins.com, allmysins.com, allmysins.com backslash, Joe Fout. Now, please do not do that just in case. I don't know what that's all about. But allmysins.com backslash Jason Fink, allmysins.com backslash John Luxton, allmysins.com backslash David Dyson. How many pages would that fill up? How long would it take for you to scroll? And all those sins that you've committed both in thought and deed just out there. And to understand. You you know that that guilt that you feel in your heart even now as you're remembering some of those sins? to, To understand that on the cross Jesus paid it all. so that you'll never face one ounce of God's wrath against your sin. You'll never face one ounce of God's wrath against your sin. That's stunning. That's why the gospel is such good news, isn't it? If you've trusted Jesus, if you've, Turn from your sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He paid it all. And as we eat and drink today, the Bible says we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. Charles Spurgeon said this, I do not know when I am more perfectly happy than when I am weeping over my sin at the foot of the cross. (laughs) I do not know when I am more happy than when I am weeping at my sin at the foot of the cross. The Bible says that Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And then it says this, and when he had given thanks. Luke twenty-two nineteen, When he had given thanks. I found myself asking a question this morning. Has anyone ever given thanks with as much knowledge and as much deep understanding as the Lord Jesus did that night? He knew the eternal counsel of the Godhead and as he faced the cross he did so with the knowledge of his father's business knowing what it would require of him yet he gave thanks. He knew what this would require that he would be the recipient of the eternally burning wrath of God yet he gave thanks. He knew what His sacrifice would require and He knew what His sacrifice would accomplish. He knew that night that we would be rescued and thus brought into fellowship with Almighty God for all of eternity. Thus He gave thanks. That's why there is joy in heaven when one sinner repents. Luke 15, 7. It's only fitting today that as we come to this table, we give thanks, isn't it? That we take time and give thanks. Give thanks for the eternal decree of God that that in eternity past, God decided on a plan of redemption from start to finish. Give thanks. Give thanks for the love that was demonstrated in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And by the way, that says something about God that says much more about God than it says about us. Some of you think that the cross just tells you how important you are. No, the cross tells us how loving God is. Give thanks for the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Give thanks for the day you heard and believed the gospel. And maybe today is the first day. You've never really heard and believed the gospel, but today is the day you heard that Jesus suffered in your place and that he was crucified, dead and buried, and rose again the third day. Just like it says in the scriptures, you heard that and you believed it. Give thanks for the day when you heard and believed. And listen... If you refuse to believe, do not, do not fail to understand that today you've heard the word, the gospel. Always remember that. That on today, April 3rd, 2022, you heard the gospel and you rejected it. We come to this part of a service where we have the opportunity to come to the Lord's table and and to eat and drink to remember the Lord Jesus Christ in his appointed way and and it's at this time that we'd like to take time for you to just sit in quiet reflection kids we do this every time we take communion we just take time to reflect quietly on what we've heard we take time to give thanks we Take time to repent of sin. Maybe there's sin in your heart that you've not confessed, that you've not gotten before the Lord and you just want to bear that out. That's what we do in this time of quietness, these few moments. To make sure that you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and if you can say, I, am, I know I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I have come to trust in, in the death of Christ in my place and I'm living for Him. Then I'll invite you to this table. But for now, Just a few moments, quiet reflection, evaluation, -evaluation, self-evaluation, and time to give thanks. And then we'll continue with the service.